Hey folks, happy Musician Monday. This is a new series where we are taking excerpts from previous made content and sharing it with you on Mondays as a way for you to calibrate and get your head in the game after a weekend of playing shows. This particular conversation is around rehearsals and the procedures and processes needed to make them productive. So if you are just getting started or you and your band are getting back out there, this is definitely some valuable stuff to consider. If you're digging this kind of content, the majority of this is sourced from our YouTube channel. If you're not already subscribed to the channel, I highly recommend doing so. There'll be a link for that in the show notes. And as always, if you found this information valuable and think other people would benefit from it, please feel free to share it with your bandmates and friends. With that out of the way, let's get into it. Switching gears, we're gonna do some listener stuff. The main one being one around practicing. This is from our buddy Russ. Hello, Adam and Dan. I recently emailed you guys asking about pay to play gigs and you gave me some great info. Now I'd like to ask you about cover bands having regular weekly rehearsals. My band, Level Up, rehearses every Monday, regardless of whether we have a gig or not. They rent hourly, which is kind of an issue, 23 to 25 bucks an hour, reserving three hours per week. You're looking at 75 bucks just to rehearse. So you can see how this can get pretty costly, absolutely. Lately, it seems practices have become unproductive. His question is, do you think it is necessary for cover bands to have regular weekly rehearsals? I personally think that if everybody does their homework, quotation fingers, then we should only have to rehearse transitions from song to songs, maybe work out vocal harmonies. To give you a little background, we're relatively new, got started about nine months ago, didn't fully settle into the current lineup until a couple of months after that. There's two questions here. So as a cover band, if you're established, how often should you rehearse? Also, if you are a cover band that is just getting started, how often should you rehearse? All right. So Russ pointed out one thing I was going to leap in on, but he went ahead and did it for me. When you were describing this question, you used the word practice. Yes. And I want to draw a real strong distinction between practice and And rehearsal, rehearsal? right? Practice is a thing you do at home. You do that in the privacy of your home where you learn your Mm -hmm. part and you figure it out. You got to practice in order to be ready for rehearsal. Rehearsal is a thing that takes place in a group. And so Russ's language in this question was dead on all the way through. He was talking about rehearsal the whole way through. So the question is about rehearsal, but I just want to step over. Like if people are using rehearsal to practice, that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. We don't, we don't no, like that. We got to deal with that. We got to deal with this. And that's one way rehearsal can become unproductive. It's people are learning Absolutely. their parts on their feet in, in the rehearsal room. That's not great. So when I got this question, I immediately went into the Patreon Slack channel. Mike Schulte of the Pork Tornadoes, you know, they've been around for a really long time. So like we rehearse maybe two to three times a year, but they have a certain regimen around sound check and stuff because they play very regularly. So for him, they say that they um, they start their sound check with the same song every time, and they end their sound check with the same song every time. And anything in between is going to be two to three tunes that they're kind of working on. That's how they onboard new material because they're playing so regularly. That is what they've done. Now, the difference between a band like the Pork Tornadoes and Level Up is that the Pork Tornadoes have been around for you know ten plus years at this point, and so. All of the kind of dynamics between members and how the stage show works, most of those things have already been established. They've done that work. So for them, it is just kind of like an onboarding process. Yeah. So what I had said is that you should rehearse as much as you can manage. You know, there being a financial component kind of plays into that to a certain degree. But I also am of the same mind that you will learn more as a band just getting started about what your band is about 
by playing on stage in a show environment than you will in a rehearsal. For sure. For sure. In terms of tightening a band, a gig is worth three to five rehearsals. Agreed. Yeah. So, you know, and, and there is some baseline of good enough you got to get to. Yeah. You know, don't don't skip the first five to ten rehearsals. But the sooner you can get on stage and the more frequently you can get on stage, the tighter you'll get faster. Now, all, all of that said, the thing a new band is doing in the rehearsal room, like it looks like you're learning material together. Yeah. Right? It looks like you're honing those vocal harmonies. It's not really what's happening. What's happening is you're learning each other. And I would say the most crucial people learning each other are the rhythm section, the drum and bass. Because the the more time they spend just making noise together, just making sound together, the tighter their groove is going to mesh, the, the, the more in sync and in the pocket they're going to be together. And that is what is band tightness. Whatever we guitarists and we vocalists do, I mean, you know, Adam and I are both guitarists and vocalists, but we're sort of over top of the 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 engine room of the band, which yeah, is the, the foundation. Bass. Yeah, yeah. The, well, that, if the bass and drum isn't in sync, those two players aren't in each other's brains and in each other's pockets. That's really what makes a band tight, and that that can happen in the practice room, and that is a function of hours spent in the practice room. But again, I, I, you know, once you're to a place where you're not going to cringe to put it on stage too badly. A little cringe is okay, actually, but not too badly. You learn a lot better in a gig environment than you do in a practice room environment. Is it still worth practicing every week? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think until you are generating shows under your own steam, yeah. I think you still need to spend the, I would call it discovery. You're kind of feeling the dynamics out. The term that kind of came to my mind as you were talking about is like, it's basically a study in electrical engineering because you're trying to determine where the energy lies mm. and how to harness it. Uh, I like that. And, and that happens with different parts of the group and different segments of the show. Yeah. You know, for, for members only, I feel like most of like quote unquote choreography or like stage moves and stuff, those all happen organically in the moment. Yeah. And then just, we kind of took note of them to recreate in the future. Very few things I feel have developed in the rehearsal room other than just the general competency around the material and maybe in the guitar solo you, you go down the octave in this one section or the harmony stack is you know these three notes you're there to do the fine tuning the performance stuff and the stuff that i think matters to the audience is still probably going to happen in front of an audience largely yeah and you know the the, the thing i'm talking about in, that happens in a rhythm section, the gelling of a rhythm section isn't at all what you just said, right? The details of how a song works or how the harmonies work. There's something very personal and nonverbal and I can't quite describe it. Not having ever been a drummer or a bassist, maybe they have language for it, but... Yes. Well, let me let me go ahead and yeah, hear my, my yeah, two sentences. Yeah, yeah. So the main thing about rhythm sections and when you're talking about tightness, it's basically the bass player understanding where the kick is dropping in, in making sure that they are in line with when the kick is being hit. In my particular case, like I just did that bass gig for the church thing, and it was a matter of listening to what the drummer is playing and making sure that if I'm if he's doing stabs on like the two and and the four, that when I'm playing whatever chord changes I'm playing, I'm doing it in conjunction with what he is doing. Yeah. So there is a awareness that those players have with one another. Yes. 
And it's it is little details like that, but it is a lot of the base and the in the in the kick drum like lining up. Most of the players I've played with, I'm not sure that language is where they find that relationship. I think it's about learning each other. And I'm those of you not watching this, but instead listening, I'm putting air quotes around learning each other. There there is something very intangible that happens that's magic. between a bracist and a drummer that makes them into a unit that's really, really powerful. And and that is a thing that can happen. I, I say it happens five to seven times more more fast. More fast. It's not quite English, but more fast. More faster on the stage than it does in a practice room. But it's still a matter of time. To, to playing together to, to to get that. It also depends on a lot of factors. You know, if you're a band that plays to a click, there's a lot less intuition involved. It's yeah, very, yeah. it's much more mechanical. Yes. So if you are in a group that doesn't play to a click and it is very much like, you know, everybody's kind of following one another, then th- you do need to have a bit more of a situational awareness around yeah. these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and find that place of synergy versus the clicks giving me the place of synergy. Let's just play to it, right? Yeah. The other thing is the cost of the practice space. And so my solution is I have rented a, uh, a storage unit, in interior uh, climate-controlled storage unit, and it runs 190 a month. So, you know, I'm, I'm well out ahead of the price that, that you're getting charged by the hour for, for that. Um, I can store PA and other gear there. And if you can work out a spot like that, I really, really recommend it. There are a lot of storage unit kind of places around that are looking for bands. Part of the, part of the reason is turnover of renters in the storage unit business is like the cost comes from people churning, coming in, leaving, all of that. And bands tend to stick around, tend to have... They also, if they don't, they tend to grab their gear and leave the space vacated. They don't tend to leave their crap and just disappear. Yeah, absolutely. You're not going to find a band storage unit on Storage Wars. Nope. It's not going to be a thing. A band is a good customer for a storage uh, company. And so I would recommend you look around in your space for a place you can, like a DIY kind of space like that, that you can get, um, you know, when we first moved into ours, obviously playing in it, it sounded like a Coke can. And I hung up a bunch of um, acoustic blankets on the walls and that helped a lot, warmed the space up very nicely. And it's been, it's been our home now for three years. And I'm very happy. I wouldn't, wouldn't do anything other than that. I think it's, I think it's totally the way to go. So if that can solve your pricing constraint and get you into where you can just do a weekly rehearsal to get the band ready to get on stage, I I think that's, I think that's the way forward. That's what I'd recommend. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. The space is, is really crucial. So Dan's idea is fantastic, but on, on the same note, there's, there's other options, you know, in our world, because we do silent rehearsals, I was doing it in a basement, but theoretically I could do it in any room, in any house, anywhere, provided I had the the digital mixer and the headphones. So so say just a little bit more about silent rehearsals. So the band, as far as guitars and bass has always been direct. Before we started the renovation of the basement, I had an Alesis Nitro kit down there. Spent like 175 bucks on it on Craigslist. And with that in our digital mixer, we could do uh, rehearsals with the kids upstairs without making a whole bunch of racket. And it sounds great to us. And it's all very self-contained and all of that. So if you can find a way to, one, uh, have a digital mixer, two, have direct amplifiers, and three, have digital drums, and you and, can... and in-ears or headphones. So the point yes, is, in-ears and headphones. you're all playing to, to headphones or in-ears, and so there's no noise happening out speakers. Yep. And uh, so it's very bedtime compliant for... Indeed. Children. And um, it's not as expensive as you would think. In order to set this up, besides my guitar rig, which I already had, 
I probably spent, I'd say, less than $300 on the Behringer XR16 yep. and the Alesis drum kit. Yeah. So it's not as cost prohibitive as one might think, and it was definitely worth the investment. Yep. So um, the question, how often should you rehearse, <laughs> prompted just a whole range of sort of answer-ish stuff. Yeah, you know, you know, the the general <laughs> consensus is as often as you can. If you can do it once a week, that's great. If you can't, that's also fine. As much as you can handle until you get established, and once you're established, you know, you do it kind of less frequently. If you get to, you know, you in know, our case, if you get to a point where you're you're gigging a couple three times a month, that's your rehearsal. You don't it's need really your not rehearsal. necessary. Yeah, you may you may want to get together to onboard new material. Sure, right, but that's different from like rehearsing. That's that's yeah. a that's that's a different kind of work. Yeah, and I mean, if you are playing regularly, there's no reason why you couldn't literally add a new song every single show sure. based on the workflow of showing up, working through a song that you've already practiced, because yep. we've already talked about that, yep. going through it at soundcheck and then playing it the night of that show, and then once it's in, it's in. In conclusion, there is no right answer. It's really just as much as you can manage, given the resources that you've got, and the more that you do it, the quicker you'll get to where you want to go. There you go. 